Could you pray with me? Loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Bearing fruit. Many people come to the United States seeking the opportunities of the American dream. The ideal that anyone can achieve prosperity, success, and a high social status through hard work, regardless of the circumstances of their birth. I've met several people here in the United States who came because of this ideal. For example, one person that I worked with for several years was born in Vietnam not long before the Vietnamese War. His father fought alongside the Americans, but was captured and placed in a prisoner of war camp. In an attempt to seek new opportunities for himself and his family in the United States, this friend of mine fled his home country in a crowded boat at the ripe old age of 16. The boat made it out of the country, but they ended up in the open ocean with little food, water, or fuel, and they nearly all lost their lives. Some did. But the survivors were eventually rescued and brought to the United States. And since this person was a minor, he, when he arrived, he was placed in a foster home where he completed his last few years of high school. And upon a graduation, he entered college and worked hard to earn his engineering degree, which gave him the opportunity to enter the high tech industry. He worked very hard and lived a frugal lifestyle for several years so that in time, he was able to bring his entire family, his parents and all his siblings from Vietnam to the United States, where they were able to start a new life. His father survived the POW camp and came to live in the United States. Now, not everyone who immigrated or has immigrated to the United States has had the same kind of success. There are plenty of people born in this country who have not had the same opportunity for various reasons. Racism, sexism, well, perhaps some other injustice that unfairly limited their chances of success, or they just may not have been born with highly marketable skills, which allowed them to effectively participate in this market economy. Much of the American dream is based upon the idea that a person can gain more material wealth as they become a greater contributor to the financial success of the organization that employs them. So in a sense, a person accrues value in so much as they create value in our capitalist economy sometimes. If they can't create much value, they're often treated as though they're not worth very much as a person. Obviously, there's a problem with this situation. Scripture teaches us that we are all born in the image of God, equally valued and loved by God, whether we're given special mental or physical gifts or not. So the value of a human being can't be assessed solely by a person's ability to create wealth. By the same token, there are many people who are highly valued in our communities who can't generate any wealth because of their life circumstances. Whether it's because of health issues or some kind of disability, 
we clearly need to think more carefully about how we value others as well as ourselves. In our passage this morning, Jesus seems to imply that we need to create value of some kind, or we run the risk of being cut down. He tells the parable of a fig tree planted in a vineyard that isn't bearing any fruit. The owner of the vineyard tells the gardener to cut down the barren fig tree because it's simply wasting space in the vineyard. The gardener, however, convinces the landowner to give it one more year, one more chance, one more season before cutting it down. The gardener has a plan. He hopes that it will make this tree productive. He'll dig around it and fertilize it with manure. Apparently activities that he has tried with other trees in the past that have led to success. The strategy is still slightly risky for the landowner. I mean, there's a good reason to try this gardener's plan because a new tree definitely won't produce fruit for at least another three years. But if the gardener is successful, the older tree will start producing fruit in just one more year. Based on the certitude of the gardener, it sounds like the landowner will grant his request, but the parable doesn't exactly tell us what the final result or the final decision is. This parable is fairly straightforward for a lot of reasons, but there are parts of it that raise some interesting questions. Typically, the, the landowner is thought to represent God. The gardener is Jesus, and we are the fig tree. God is interested in bringing about the kingdom of heaven on earth, and Jesus is the one who is trimming and pruning and watering us so that we can help bring about God's kingdom here on earth. Jesus is also our advocate in times when God is so frustrated with us that he may feel that we're a lost cause. I mean, granted, God is always ready to forgive us of our sins and restore our relationship with God, but this parable raises the question of whether there is a point when God gets so frustrated with our refusal to accept the gift of salvation and change our ways that God is willing to do away with us at some time? Is there a time when God says, enough already, just cut down the tree and throw it in the burn pile? The parable seems to suggest that there is such a limit, but Jesus, the trusted son of God, has enough influence to be able to influence God to have a little more patience with us. After all, Jesus has been there before. He's been here on earth before, and he knows what we're going through. He knows the struggle of temptation, and he understands firsthand what it means to truly suffer. Through his willingness to experience a brutal crucifixion and a subsequent resurrection, Jesus has made salvation possible for all of us even the most unproductive souls here on earth. And he knows what it takes to get us to turn around, to recognize where we have gone wrong in our lives and to change our ways so that we can restore our relationship with God. Basically, to repent. 
His task is to get us to bear fruit. And this is the part that I think is more challenging in the parable. What does exactly mean to bear fruit? Or more specifically, what is this fruit that we're obligated to bear? Intuitively, we've already discerned that it's not about creating financial wealth. We also have a very specific message from Jesus about this topic in the Sermon on the Mount, in the Gospel of Matthew. He says, No one can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Could it be good deeds? Is the fruit that we're required to produce the good works that Jesus asks us to perform? Later in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus describes how the Son of Man will eventually judge all nations. And to those who were invited to enter into his glory, he says, Come, you that are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothes. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. This is clearly something that we are asked to participate in, providing food, water, shelter, clothing, medical assistance, and companionship to those who are forsaken. When we encounter someone in need, we are expected to provide support, to provide support and encouragement. But there must be more to it than that. I mean, on the one hand, Scripture tells, also tells us that we can't earn our way to heaven through good works. In the Apostle Paul's letter to the Romans, he describes the gift of salvation as a free gift by Christ, given with a value that's beyond measure. It's an unmerited gift that Christ has made available to us simply because he loves us. No? Although we are expected to care for those in need, we can't possibly complete enough good deeds that would entitle us to be accepted by God. Also, how are those who are receiving this help expected to get into God's kingdom if they're placed in a situation where they don't have the resource to provide enough for their own needs, much less someone else's? Christ has always shown deep compassion for the poor and the suffering. So it doesn't make sense that he would make special works or deeds, that fruit that we must bear in, in, in order to enter God's kingdom. If we have the capacity to help others, scripture tells us that we must provide it, we should provide it. But the deeds themselves, they must not be the required fruit that we're talking about in this parable. Perhaps the fruit that we're required to bear, to bear is spreading the gospel message. At the end of Matthew's gospel, Jesus announces, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Again, this is important work, 
But there are some who do not have the gifts or resources to accomplish this specific task. It seems again unlikely that God would refuse to be in relationship with someone who has not yet evangelized to the rest of the world in such a specific way. Evangelism is important and it's very good work, but I don't think it's specifically, again, that fruit that we are required to bear in our parable this morning. I think that the fruit we are called to bear is not so much the activity called, the, the activities that Christ calls us to perform as it is the attribute that is symbolized by those activities. Love. When we share the gospel message, making disciples of all nations and teaching the lessons of Jesus, we are sharing the love of Christ. When we perform good deeds, caring for the poor and suffering, we are expressing love. When we devote ourselves to God, focusing our energy on the currency of the divine realm, we are investing in love. Love doesn't require any special skills or talents or resources. If you are breathing, you have the divine spark of God's spirit within you. And that is all that's needed to bear the fruit of love. When Jesus was asked which of the commandments is greatest, he replied, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. I think that love is the fruit that we are required to bear. The remaining metaphor in the parable, the act of digging around the tree and putting manure on it, I think is also relatively straightforward. Being productive in God's kingdom involves going deep and getting dirty. Christ may lead us down a path that guided by the Holy Spirit, but we need to bear more fruit. And some of the most fertile times are in our lives are when we struggle with the messy situations that we would rather not find ourselves in. These can be periods of impactful growth that open our eyes, not only to the ways that we need to change, but also to the amazing love that is continually offered by God to all of us. Christ, who has seen it all, knows what it takes to make us productive in God's heavenly kingdom. But it's up to us to accept his guidance and to decide to bear the, the fruit of love. As the first part of our message of our passage today suggests, bad things sometimes happen even to good people. But this is not the will of God. Quite often it's the result of our own free will that contradicts God's will. And there are times when we will be impacted by the free will of others that are exercised against us or that puts us in harm's way. We see it happen every day in the violence that's taking place throughout the world, within our own country, or even in our own community. We can't control what others will ultimately decide to do, but we have our own free agency. We can decide for ourselves whether we will show compassion to those in need and express genuine concern for the well-being of everyone else, including our enemies. 
I think this is what it means to bear fruit worthy of the divine kingdom and what we are obliged to produce. Therefore, I urge you this morning, today, during this third Sunday of Lent, to take stock of the fruit that you're bearing and repent from those things that do not engender or love and compassion in this world, but bear the fruit that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ can harvest and lift up to the Heavenly Father. Amen.